Well, good morning. It is always a blessing to be together as we worship, as we lift our hearts in song, as we gather around the Lord's table, uh, as we pray, and as we open up God's Word and search it uh, for what it is that God wants us to hear and see today. Uh, would you pray with me? God, we, we come before you as your people, and we really do open up our hearts and our souls to you as we prepare to open up your word. God, we have uh, so many different feelings and thoughts at any given moment, especially on Sunday mornings as we're in this place. God, we ask that you would reach us wherever it is that, that we are, that you would, would reach out and touch our hearts and our souls and help us to truly hear your voice this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for uh, the ways that he helps us to have better imaginations of what's possible in our life and in the life of our church and in our community's life. And we just pray that you would help us to be people who, who not only see what it is you want us to see, but we're willing to become who you're calling us to be. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I, I want you to, to go back to the first moment this morning when you woke up. I want you to think about what that, what that felt like and the thoughts that, that went through your mind. Uh, some of you, it was probably the annoying sound of, of an alarm clock going off, and you probably rushed to turn it off as quick as you could. For others of you, maybe it wasn't a sound at all. Maybe it was the aroma of coffee uh, moving towards you in the, the quiet morning air. That might sound a little too peaceful for others of you. Maybe you woke up with a little person staring at you about an inch from your face, and then it got really loud next. I, 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 don't, I don't know what all happened to you this morning as you woke up. Maybe you woke up and you were confused about which day it was. Maybe you thought it was Saturday, and then you remembered. It's not Saturday, it's Sunday, and you've got a lot of things you've got to do to get ready. Or maybe you, you worried because you thought it was Monday morning, and, and you thought maybe you had overslept or you hadn't gotten something ready for work. I want you to think about the, the moment you woke up and then you figured out that it was Sunday morning and that you were going to be in this place in just a little while. And I want you to be honest about the thoughts and the feelings you had when you realized that. And then I want you to, to answer in your heart a really simple question. Why do you come to church? Right? Why do you come to church? I think, I think some people might say, well, you know, I, I come to church because good people go to church. And I want people in, in my community, I want people at, at work, I want people who know me to, to view me as that kind of pers person, as, as a good church-going person. I, I want that kind of reputation, and I want to be respected that way. Going to church is respectable. I, I want people to see me that way. That's why I go to church. Why do you go to church? You know, some people might say, well, you know, it's just, it's something I've always done. It's, it's who I've always been. My parents raised me. They, they told me that this is where I needed to be on Sunday mornings. And it, it's just, it's a habit that I have that I really want to keep. It's something that I know is good, that's also good for me. It's, it's kind of like flossing your teeth or, or eating your vegetables or helping a little old lady across the street with a heavy bag of groceries. It's, it's, it's something that makes me feel good when I do it because I know it's responsible and I want to be that kind of person. 
Why, why do you come to church? Some people might say, well, you know, I, I really, if I'm going to be honest, I come to church for my family. I come to church really for my kids. This is a crazy world that, that my kids are growing up in now. There's all kinds of different voices out there telling them who they're going to be or who they should be, who they should want to be. And I want them to be around good kids from good families. And there's a lot of different places you might be able to go to, to find good families. But church is one of the best places you can go to find those kinds of people. And I want my kids around those kids. That's, that's why I go to church. Why do you come to church? Well, there's, there's folks that would say, well, I come to church because God tells me to come to church. And I want to do what God tells me to do. I don't come here to be entertained. I come here to be taught. I come here to learn. I come here to find other ways that I can please God. There's really no other reason that I'm interested in coming to church. I just, I want to be obedient. So that's why I'm here. Why do you come to church? I'm guessing there's folks in this room that, that, in addition to maybe some other reasons, would actually just end up telling us a story, a memory they have, that they carry deep inside of them, that, they, that they've fallen in love with, and that's why they're in this place. It might be a story like, you know, I, I remember one day when I was 12, and I was sitting next to my mother, and we were together in this, this little church, and and we were singing this song about Jesus raising from, from the gra grave. And I, I remember listening to the words of the song that we were singing. And I remember seeing the cross at the front of the building. And I looked outside of the stained glass window. And I, I just I saw the light filtering through the colors. And I, I had this deep sense inside of me that Jesus wasn't just alive. But Jesus wanted to be alive in my life. And, and I, I was just overwhelmed. I was, I was embraced by this deep sense of warmth in my heart, in my spirit. And, and I come to church every week hoping to have that kind of experience again. Why do you come to church? Why, why do you sacrifice part of your weekend to be in this place? What are you hoping is going to happen here? What are you expecting when you come into this building? See, we all come to church and we've got reasons. We come expecting something to happen. The question is, what is it for you? Open up in your Bible to Acts chapter 3. We're going to start reading together in verse 1. Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John were going up to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the established prayer time. Meanwhile, a man crippled since birth was being carried in. Every day, people would place him at the temple gate, known as the beautiful gate, so that he could ask for money from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he began to ask them for a gift. Peter and John stared at him. Peter said, look at us. So the man gazed at them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I don't have any money, but I will give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, rise up and walk. And then he grasped the man's right hand and raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. 
Jumping up, he he began to walk around, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the same one who used to sit at the temple's beautiful gate asking for money. And they were filled with amazement and surprise at what had happened to him. Why do you come to church? We asked this crippled man who is right there in the doorway of the temple, right, the doorway to church. And I'm doubting that, that he was very proud of the answer he would have to give us if we asked him, why do you come to church? You know, I come because nice people come to church. Nice people who, you know, when they see somebody who's in need, they... They stop and wonder whether or not there's something they can do to help. And some of these nice people, they don't just think about it. They, they actually end up bringing a little extra money as they're going into the temple. And so they're able to, to help me. They're able to give me. Sometimes it's just loose change. Sometimes it's a, it's a bigger gift than that. Sometimes I get the sense it has to do with what kind of week they've had. How guilty they might feel. And they're getting ready to walk in to pray and sing and... And encounter God. There's even a part of me that thinks that that while they're coming in and they're they're getting ready to do that, that you know it it helps the way other people see them if if they notice them stop and help me. And and so if you think about it, you know I I kind of need something from them, but maybe they need something from me too. You, you you hear somebody explain that that's why they're at church. And if we're going to be honest, I, I think it looks like going to church for some questionable reasons. Maybe if we're honest, it's kind of for all the wrong reasons. But if we're, we're going to be honest with ourselves before we get too judgmental with this, this man, we know, right, that, that as much as we all can, can really tell the truth about what's driving us, it doesn't matter what we're doing, we, we, we find ourselves in a place where where when we're trying to do something good, we can't really say that we always do even good things for only good reasons. Right? That we, we struggle with that. Or at least I do. You know, and, and I notice that other people struggle with it. It's like sometimes you do something that you know without a doubt. Everybody would say that's, that's a good thing to do. You know, maybe you take some time out of your week to... To go down to a homeless shelter and to help feed hungry people. That's great. But then maybe if not enough people find out about it or not enough people notice that that's what you did, you start to find ways to bring that story up uh, to just about everyone else you run into that week. You ask them, well, what did you do on, on Monday evening? And you let them talk and then you say, well, let me... You know, what, let me tell you what I did on Monday evening. And, and you start to tell them this sacrifice that you made. And, and somewhere along the line, you start to realize that maybe you didn't do this really good thing for only good reasons. Maybe you, you did a really good thing for some mixed reasons. That maybe you, you wouldn't mind getting some credit for, for what you did or, or having somebody praise you for what you did or make you feel better about yourself for what you did. And we, we, we all of us have moments in our lives where we have to just tell the truth. And, and this is talked about throughout Scripture. That it's not just what we do, it's why we do it. That helps something be truly good. Well, this guy, 
he's, he's at church for a pretty obvious primary reason. He's there to get money. He's there because he needs to get money. He's managed, Luke tells us, uh, to, to have some people who are willing to help get him there. They carry him in. He's been crippled as long as he can remember from birth. Right, His whole life, he's been damaged. He's managed to, to at least have enough people in his life to care about him, to drag him there to this place, the beautiful gate that has to be anything but beautiful to him. And he's hoping that even though it's obvious to these other, these people coming to the temple, these other church people, as we'd call them, it's obvious why he's there, that maybe, maybe they'll look past that a little bit. Maybe they'll look at their own hearts. Maybe they'll ask themselves, what are they actually pursuing a relationship with God for? It's not only to go inside the temple and pray and sing and worship. It's also to be certain kinds of people. Right? They go into worship hoping they're going to be shaped in certain ways. And one of the things they want to be is generous. They want to be giving. And here he is, an opportunity for them to figure out, just like we do. When we come in here, we have an opportunity every single week to start out our week with generosity and giving. They have that chance. And they let him be there. You know, somebody, I'm sure, could have taken it upon themselves to run him off. There he is. He's there for an obvious reason. It's, it's a motivation that I'm a little uncomfortable with. I think we're probably all uncomfortable with. If somebody came in and, and you said, you, you noticed they were new, you said, what are you here for? And they said, well, I was here hoping you guys could give me some money right now. We might think, well, we hope there's other reasons you're here. And who knows? You know, Luke doesn't tell us a whole lot about what's going on inside of this man. And... And it can't just be that he's there hoping for some loose change or, or, or some people to take pity on him. There has to be, you know, there's, there's other places you could beg for money. He's, he's made the decision. He wants to be close to God's people. He wants to be close to the temple. You know, it doesn't say that he's hoping that in addition to maybe getting some money, he might have some people who remember him when they go into worship. And while they have time to pray, maybe they'll lift him up to God and pray for him. And we, we don't know what all is driving this man. And so the first question of the story, I think, as we hear it, is to create a little space in our hearts to believe that the reality is we all come to this place with mixed motivations. And, and it's okay. You know, we need to tell the truth. I can't tell you how many... Men in particular have told me that the reason they first visited a particular church was a young woman. Just, just to be able to see someone they met again, maybe to introduce themselves again, just to be there. And they're always nervous, especially to admit that to a preacher, right? That that's, that's why they visited a church. And yet time and time again, when you have those kinds of conversations with people, you find that that God is able to use less than the, the purest of motives, the purest of spiritual motives to be in a church, God can reach us in spite of all that. That God can reach us sometimes when we don't see it coming because we're, we're not really in a place to understand just how much God is wanting to pursue us. So I just, 
as we continue to focus on the story, I want you to create some space in your heart for this guy who, who comes to church for mixed motives and confess that all of us, at one time or another, maybe even this morning, we came here for more than one reason. And some of those reasons may be really good, and some of those reasons may be really practical and pragmatic, and maybe some of those reasons are even selfish. But we're here. We're in this place. We're with these people. And our God is more than powerful enough to break through whatever motives brought you here to reach you. So he says he's, he's there because he's expecting to get something. Sitting in the doorway of the church, propped up against the entrance of the temple. And I'm guessing for the most part, and it's, it's because of the interaction that he ends up having with John and Peter that it kind of makes this obvious, right? He's there, but he's not really looking at anyone's face. He's, he's there, but he's kind of looking at the ground. Or, or maybe he's, he's looking at, at just the feet as they rush past. And, and, and what we know about especially crippled beggars in those days that, that really wouldn't have had an ability to move at all, that, that the people who brought him in would have spread out a cloak underneath him so that when people pass by in their hurry, they could just kind of toss the money in his direction towards the cloak. And at the end of the day, he and his friends would help kind of gather that cloak up with all of the money in it, and that, that's what he would have to live on. You know, so here he is, looking at the ground, looking at feet as they pass by, and having people basically throw money at him. Which, which can't feel any kind of good. Right? Some, something inside you breaks if you're reduced to begging. So we have a man here who doesn't just have damaged legs, he has a damaged soul. And, and what he expects to get is just a little bit more change, right? Just a, just a little bit more to maybe keep going day after day. And then he sees these, these feet stop right in front of him. Two people stop right in front of him. And, and he's not looking up at them. Luke says he sees them come through. But then Peter says to him, look at us. Right? You don't say that to somebody who's looking at you. He's looking somewhere else. Anywhere else than their faces. Because don't you think he's seen those faces before? I mean, not, not the actual faces of Peter and John, but he's seen the, the look that he knows is going to be on their face. Pity, frustration, irritation. He may be even nervous that they're about to, to give him an earful of, you know, what do you, who do you think you are being right here begging like this in this way? He, he doesn't know what they're going to say. He's hoping that they're going to give him just something, but, but he doesn't know. And I don't know how long it takes between Peter saying, look up at us, look at us. I don't know the kind of delay there was between those words and the man actually listening to Peter and doing what he's asked. But I have to believe that when he finally gathers the courage to look up into those two faces, he doesn't see what he's afraid he's going to see. Right? He doesn't see judgment. He doesn't see frustration. He doesn't see anger. He doesn't, 
doesn't see irritation. He sees care and compassion. But then Peter starts to talk. Which has to confuse him a little bit. The guy's asking for money and Peter says, guess what? I don't have any money. The guy had to be thinking, then why'd you stop? You know, you're getting in the way of all the other people that could give me some money. But then what Peter says next has to be beyond this man's wildest dreams. You have to think that if, if you struggle your entire life the way this man has, if, if you've been crippled from birth, that when, when you, day in, day out, when you think about the best case scenario, maybe you're thinking that some people will take concern, enough concern, and have enough care for you that, that they might even take you off the streets and, and start to, to care for you, put you in a place where that, that maybe even you could call home and you wouldn't have to beg anymore. I, I don't know what, what kinds of, of, of dreams he had, but I'm guessing that deep in his heart he had a, a wildest dream. And it wasn't just that someone might give him enough to help him have his basic needs met. My guess is in his wildest dream, he hoped that somebody would help him walk. But, but you don't go to that place often in your heart when, when you've lived your whole life and that's never happened for you and you're trying to prepare yourself for the reality it probably never will happen. And so when Peter starts to say the words that he says to him, I don't have any money, but, but I'm going to share with you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I tell you, get up. And then he reaches out to him. And he takes his hand and he, he lifts him up. He came to the temple for a reason. He came expecting to get something. But what the man gets is far better than what he expects to get. He expects, he wants just enough to make it through one more day, and he ends up getting a brand new life. He gets the chance to start over. And, and I love the, the image that Luke gives us of, of he, he can't get into the temple fast enough. And he's walking, but then he's, he's, he's jumping, and then he's praising God. He's overwhelmed at this new life that in just a moment, in the blink of an eye, is suddenly his life. And it's because two of Jesus' followers encounter him at the, the, the lowest place. He goes there every day. But don't you think it has to be the lowest place he ever goes where he's just begging it for, the, for the kindness of others to help him? And two of Jesus' followers say to him, you know what? You're thinking too small. You're, you're, you're actually not asking for enough, not even close to enough. We don't have money. We have something far better than money. We have new life here. Share it with us. And this man, in that moment, gets to, to not just hear about this new life, but he gets to experience it. It becomes his life. Now, brothers and sisters, we, we come to this place week after week. And, and we come expecting to get something. I, I don't know what that is for you. But, but we do. We come 
many of us, uh, just like this man, we, we come to this place in need. And, and if, if we're honest, all of us have needs. All of us have things in our life that just aren't the, the way we want them to be. They're not the way we, we believe they should be. We, we all have places in our lives where we feel stuck and paralyzed and crippled. And we come to this place and I think, you know, we're hoping that people be friendly and we're hoping the sermon will be survivable or maybe even good. And, and we're, we're hoping this singing will be uplifting and we're, we're hoping that, that when we take communion, we'll feel closer to one another. And all those things are good. They really are. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, I think we come into this room and we don't understand what God is really trying to offer us in this place through one another. It's not just a little good. It's not just a little bit of, of nice, uh, you know, experience that we can have or a little bit of kindness or a, a little bit of forgiveness or a little bit of hope. What God wants you to, to expect could happen in this place is that you could come in one person and walk out a brand new person. That that's why we get out of bed on Sunday mornings. It's not just because we're supposed to do this. We come to this place. Hoping, hoping for resurrection, hoping for a brand new life. And in Acts chapter 3, that's exactly what people get to witness. And, and what I love about it is it says he, he goes into the temple and he's, he's singing and he's, he's shouting and he's, he's jumping. And, and everybody notices because that's... That's not how they go into the temple. They've been there so many times. They're so used to it. They just walk in like they're walking into the library. They're walking into the grocery store. They're walking into work. And this man helps them remember what's really possible when God's people gather together around God's heart and we seek to share God's life with one another, that, that something that's bigger, that something beyond any one of us can actually take place in this place. You know, I don't know what we'd do if somebody came in here jumping and shouting. At, well, we'd tell them to calm down politely, right? Get a, get a hold of yourself. This is church. You know, I... I think sometimes we, we're so used to this opportunity that we miss the opportunity that, that it really is. That it's really supposed to be. They notice it. And so the crowds gather around. And they want to ask Peter and, and John, what's going on? What's different here? Well, what's happening in his life that's, that's not happening in my life? Right? And what they're witnessing, however else we could describe it, is they are witnessing that when God's kingdom breaks into this life, into our world, when it breaks in, all the things that are broken inside of you can be unbroken. It's the power of the gospel. That everything inside of you that feels like it's not enough. Everything inside of you that makes you feel like you're not enough. Everything inside of you that makes you feel insecure and nervous and anxious, worried about the future and if you're going to make it or if you're going to have enough. All of those concerns, all of those struggles, all of those fears, those, those are supposed to die in this place. To be buried so that you could be raised up to new life. And we forget it. I forget it. 
And I'm just hoping for the bare minimum of whatever it is I expect when I come to church. And brothers and sisters, I'm just, I'm asking you to dream bigger again. To pray bigger again. To think about not just the people in this room, but to think of all the people that live in this town and all the different ways. It's not just you and I are broken, but all the ways that all of us are broken. This is the place. And it has nothing to do with any single one of us. It's the fact that when the followers of Jesus gather together, Jesus is made present in a way that's undeniable. And it's not because Jesus isn't always present in every place. It's simply because we are hoping and expecting in this place in a different way. The eyes of of our hearts are opened up in a way that that we can't fully describe. But that's what worship's about. We come to this place together and we hope together. We expect together. And the question is, do we really believe that what happens to this man all these years ago, when he encounters two of Jesus' followers, do we really believe it could happen now for us? That it could happen now for all the people in our community? All the broken relationships, all the, the broken lives. Do we really believe that this is the place to bring all of that brokenness? To invite God's kingdom to break in and unbreak us? Why do you come to church? We all come expecting something, but what we get is far better than what we expect to get. We come to the only place in the world where people who are broken actually become unbroken. We come to the place where people who felt stuck and paralyzed and couldn't see a way forward, suddenly they can see a way forward, and not only can they see it, but they have people in their lives who want to help them experience that new way forward. We come to the place where we are set free from our past, and Christ is set free in our hearts, and everything is new. This is that place. But in order for us to see that, in order for us to experience it, we have to look for it. We have to hope for it. We have to be open to the idea that with as much amazing things as we have witnessed in our lives and in the lives of the people we love, the the healing, the grace that we have seen at work, that God's still just getting started. That God's just getting started. When I, I first started preaching here at Southern Hills, uh, I was just looking for a place to stay, and the next thing I knew, I had agreed to preach here. No, I'm kidding. I'm, that's referencing James. That's not how I got hired here. Okay, so what, what basically I remember having all these different conversations with people. And you know, when you're new at a church, you have all these folks that want to introduce the church to you, and they're, they're trying to help you. Um, but sometimes, you know, they end up telling you things and you start to, to think, okay, I need to ask follow-up questions about that. And I need to know who's related to who. And I need to know how we got to, to the different places we are as a church. And, and so much of it feels like it's just kind of shallow, conver- friendly, very friendly, but kind of shallow surface level conversations. And you're hoping to figure out more. But I will never forget when one gentleman came into my office and said, I just want to tell you, whatever else you, you've heard from different people about this church, and it's, it's a church like any other church. It's got things that are, are incredible, and it's got things we need to work on. He said, but I want you to know, this church saved my life. 
Now, that's a good way to get somebody's attention. You're going to have to tell me. What do you mean this church saved your life? And for the next hour, he started to talk about all the different people in this room who had, had been able to reach him in different ways because he had all kinds of struggles when he showed up here. All kinds of of demons that he was wrestling with, all kinds of mistakes that, that he had dragged with him into this room. And there's no way that the first time, I remember him saying, there, there's no way the first time I walked into the church building that, that anybody knew all of the brokenness that I, I brought in with me. If they had, they might have thought I was a lost cause. But it just started by people being good to me, by people being patient with me, by people offering to pray with me and for me, by people studying scripture with me, by people finding out that I had some needs and, and somebody found me a place I could stay and someone else found me some work I could do. And, and, and before I knew it, suddenly I looked back and I, I really wasn't who I had been before. And I tried a hundred different times before I came to this church to fix my own life. And Jared, I couldn't do it. But I came to this place and I'm telling you, I thank God every day I came, I walked into that church building, this church saved my life. And that's just one person, that's just one story. And when we say things like this church saved my life, we don't actually mean this church saved my life. What we mean is the Jesus Christ who makes this church possible saved my life. Because it's not about any single one of us. It's about all of us. And it's not about our own wisdom and our own strength. It's about the wisdom and the strength that Jesus blesses us with. See, when, when this man looks up into the face of Peter and John, it's not just that he doesn't find judgment or irritation or cynicism or tiredness. He, he doesn't see any of those things. And, and it's not just that what he does see is love and care and compassion, though he sees all those things. What he really sees is Jesus. That's who he sees. And that's why Peter says, let me share with you what I have. And then the very next thing he says is the name of Jesus. You and I can share that. We're called to share all the goodness, all the grace, all the, the healing that we've received because of Christ and only because of Christ. We need to see God's kingdom breaking in and unbreaking us. We need to witness it. And just like Peter and John, we need to get to be a part of it. And so I'm, I'm asking you this, this week, as you think about various people in this church family who you know have different struggles or, or they're going through different trials and, and you know the ways that they feel broken and maybe the ways that they are broken. Brothers and sisters, I'm asking you to take up the spirit, the ministry of that early church, right? Of, of James, I'm sorry, of John and, and Peter as they look at this man, as they go into church, as they go into the temple. I'm asking you, find the people in your life like this man. And share what you have. Give what you can give. Because church ultimately isn't just about what we expect to get. It's about what we hope to give. We have Christ. We have to find ways to share Christ and believe that it's Christ and Christ alone. It's Christ and Christ's resurrection power alone that people are really longing for. Whether they know it or not. We do. Let's share it with them.
We're going to sing together now, and as we do, a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be with them just outside of these double doors. They're there to pray with you. They're there to share Christ with you. Um, and so this morning, if, if you have anything going on in your life where it would be a blessing for a Christian couple of wisdom and spirituality to pray over you, please go to them as together we stand and sing. <laughs> 